0: Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. Before we kind of dive into today, uh, I just want to give you a, a, a couple things. Number one, thank you to everybody that came out to serve at Parkland Splash Bash yesterday. Come on, let's give it up for them. Man, we saw uh, uh, thousands of people out there, and we got to serve their kids and families in incredible ways. Thank you for being a church that's willing to go out there in the hot, the dirty, the nasty, doesn't matter what it is, and go out there and just serve people and love people right where they are. I love that about you. I love being your pastor. Uh, I also want to say next weekend, everybody say next weekend. Next weekend. We have one of our overseers. His name is Rob Hoskins. He is the president of an organization called One Hope. It's one of the largest missions organizations. Uh, incredible, incredible speaker, uh, communicator. Just will blow your mind. Will challenge you in life. He's going to be here with us next weekend. And so, man, it's going to be a great weekend to be at church next weekend. And then finally, we have our measurably more uh, offering next weekend, and uh, we're going to have a little bit more of an update. So, if you want to see what's going on with the, the building, what's happening in Parkland. You got to be here next week to find out about that. And just because I'm a jerk, we're not going to post that video online. So you're either here and you see it or you don't. It's kind of how we're rolling. So don't not be here because you're not going to be able to see it. I'm just telling you. Anyways, got to do that sometimes. Some of you guys will, I'll just watch it online. No, you won't. I will not put it up online. I will make sure that does not happen. Anyways, um, I was thinking this week, um, Anybody have any trust issues in life? Anybody have some trust issues? Come on, be loud and proud about it. Anybody have trust issues? Okay, for all those that aren't raising their hand, I know your trust issue is sitting next to you. It's okay. You didn't want to. You just wanna, didn't want to point that out. But we. Everybody's got some trust issues. I don't care who you are, where you're at in life. You think all of us have got some trust issues. All of us have some things that just like, man, I'm just not sure about. And I think our trust issues a lot of times keep us. From what God wants for our lives. One, one of the places where I have a major trust issue is, is at the eye doctor. Uh, and I don't know why that is, but the eye, do, like the dentist, I don't have trust issues because I know he's a jerk and he's gonna hurt me. You know what I'm saying? It's like I know what to expect there. Like there's not an unmet expectation there. But the eye doctor is supposed to be there to help me. They're there they're to help me see, experience life. And and every time I go, they get me on the same thing. It's like I sit down in this chair. They tell me to put my my face or my my chin on this thing, and they say, "Hey, we're just going to touch your eye. Be relax. I, can anybody relax while somebody else is touching their eye? Is that even a human possibility? But yet, that, that's what they tell you, don't they? Just just relax. It's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. And they go and they touch your eye, and then when you're least expecting it, with your eye open a whole bunch of air in your eye throws you back you're like what the heck did you just do and they're like oh we're here to help you no you're here to harm me I don't care who you are and so I have trust issues with with the eye doctor I'm I think the eye doctor is a jerk I'm just letting you know that and uh I know he means well but I've got some fear there I like I haven't been in like five years because of it honestly I'm like I don't want anybody blowing air in my eye that's weird um but all of us end up with trust issues. Maybe you were in a relationship and somebody somebody lied to you or somebody somebody harmed you in some way. Maybe you gave your heart away and they kind of treated it carelessly. And so what do you do in every relationship now? Instead of going and putting yourself out there, you pull back, don't you? You kind of keep your distance a little bit. Why? Because you have trust issues when it comes to your relationships. Maybe at work you put an idea out there and that idea didn't pan out real well and, and you end up getting scarred. or or, or some pain ended up happening in your life. And instead of continuing to put ideas out there at work and risking some things at work, instead you pull back and you just try to do the bare minimum possible because you don't want to put yourself in that situation again. And so you end up with some trust issues. For some of us, we have trust issues with God, right? Right? Like, there were some dreams, there were some hopes, there were some goals that we had, and we said, God, we're going to trust you with these things, and then those things haven't come to fruition the way we thought they are going to come to fruition, and, and we're like, God, what's up? And, and so we we created some You Maybe you prayed for something, maybe you prayed for a healing in your life, or you prayed for God to restore your marriage, and it, it didn't get restored the way you thought it should, or you've been praying for your kids, it says, train your child up in the way that it should go, and when they are old, they won't depart from it, but yet they're departed at the this moment, and you've got some trust issues with God. See, I've just found that whenever we get disappointed, whenever we get let down, we have a natural inclination to pull back in those moments and try to protect ourselves. And I believe that what is hindering us uh, the most in our spiritual life, in our relationship with God is that, is that we have some trust issues with God because we haven't had things done the way we thought they were going to d- get done and we're not trusting him so that we can achieve the things that he wants for our lives. And it's causing us, instead of moving towards God, pulling back from God. And what happens is instead of setting sail into the future that God has for us, We stay safe in the harbor. But it's like the old saying goes, ships were not meant for harbors because they're safe there. The ships were meant to go out into the wild of the ocean and create these incredible voyages in life. And so many of us, we're made for so much more than the risk-adverse life that we're trying to live for. Because nothing great in life has ever been achieved without some risk involved. And God has got some incredible purposes and plans for each and every one of our lives. I believe that with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but there's going to be some steps of faith that every single one of us have to take. And so what I want to do today is I want to challenge us to work through our trust issues. And so many times what we want from God when it comes to our trust issues is we want clarity. God, give me clarity in this aspect or this area of my life. And God doesn't offer clarity most of the time. What he offers instead is himself. He says, I offer you, I'm not gonna give you clarity. What I'm going to give you is I'm gonna give you relationship. And what I'm asking you to do in this relationship is I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to follow me and trust that I'm in control and I've got a plan and I'm going to work that plan. And all of us know that God has got a plan. We have the verse put up on our house. We have a tattooed on our arm or we've seen it somewhere in some catalog. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. And we're like, God, that's awesome. You've got a plan. Tell me what the plan is. Anybody else like that? Like, it's awesome, you've got a plan. I need to know that plan. I need details, Jesus. <laughs> Not the next step, I need every step. <laughs> Some of you guys can relate, can't you? Because it's like, man, I, I want to know, what, what, what is it going to look like three months down the road? What does my life look like a year down the road? What does it look like five years down the road? Like, I need those things in order to trust you today. But God God isn't saying, hey, I'm going to give you all that. He's saying, listen, I've got a plan. I've got a hope. I've got a future. I've got a destination. But what I'm giving you right now is me. And I am so much better than all those details. And if you'll just trust me, I'll help lead you through the details that you're searching for. And so I believe that God is trying to challenge us. To move past our trust issues, which are really just fear issues, into this season of faith and building our faith up. And we're gonna see this play out in a story. In Numbers chapter 13, if you have a Bible, if you want to turn with me to Numbers chapter 13, uh, what's happening in this story is the children of Israel have just uh, escaped. It's the exodus out of Egypt. They've just crossed through the Red Sea. The Egyptian army has been killed, and they are on their way through the desert to the Promised Land. They have maybe been out two weeks at this point from, from captivity from Egypt, and they're on their way to the Promised Land. And right before they get to the Promised Land, Moses, who is the leader of the Israelites, decides to send some spies in the land to scope it out, to see what's happening. So he sends 12 spies in the land. And we're going to pick up the story with them coming back and giving their report in Numbers chapter 13. Starting in verse 27, it says, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. So... They go, see, we we, we know God's got this promise. In fact, we can see the fruits of his promise that he has told us about. Uh, But we've still got some trust issues. Even though God has just delivered us, he just killed our enemies, we're making our way towards the promise. We still have some trust issues. And the reason you can see that is because in in two sentences, they go from these sentences filled with faith. Man, this is a land flowing of milk and honey. And it's awesome. And it's all that in a bag of chips with guacamole dip on a Sunday afternoon watching football. Like, it is awesome. But, I mean, there's giants there. It's crazy there. Fortified cities. And it's like all of a sudden, fear just mounts up. And so we're going to look at how they deal with this and what we can learn from them not dealing with it very well. Because how many of y'all know that sometimes we learn better from mistakes than we do success? And so we're going to see some mistakes they made and and how we can learn and what what we should do instead of what they did in those situations. So if you're taking notes, number one is this. we got to focus on opportunities, not obstacles. We've got to focus on opportunities, not obstacles. I don't know if you've been on the internet, but if you're if you are into memes, you've probably seen this meme everywhere. It's called Bad Luck Brian. And everywhere Brian goes, he has bad luck. It seems like kind of our lives. Brian has a pet rock and it runs away. How many of y'all know that's bad luck right there? It's a bad day when your pet rock runs away. How about this one? He takes a personality test and fails. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That right there is funny, Okay. <laughs> Or how about this one? Goes to a 24-hour store and it's closed. <laughs> Sometimes our life can feel like bad luck, Brian. Like everything we do in life, there is some sort of obstacle that is there and in our way. We go to the store and it's closed. We, we go to take the personality test and we find out we don't have one. You know, it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And all that we see in life are the obstacles it's all the barriers it's all the the things that we are going to have to overcome and what we have got to do is we've got to realize that and that, uh, we've got to figure out how do we get around those obstacles because uh, right on the uh, whatever is right in front of you that is a barrier right on the other side of that barrier on this side that you can't see right now is the promise it's the opportunity that's there but what happens is so many times in life we come up to an obstacle we come up to a barrier and we end up paralyzed at that thing And instead of moving forward into the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, we settle into the comforts and confines of the struggle of just staying there. And that's exactly what happens with the Israelites. They come back, and 10 of them, that's their report. They they just see the obstacles. They see the giants. They see the fortified cities. But two of them come back with one in particular named Caleb, and he doesn't see the obstacle. What he sees is the opportunity. In verse 30, it says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He said, let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Caleb goes, man, God has promised it. He said he can do it. Let's go make it happen. Like, let's run after this thing right now. Just a little side note. Here's a little principle for you. Anytime you get together a whole bunch of people and you're thinking about doing something in faith, your faith will be diminished in that moment. Because most of the time, when you gather a whole bunch of people, and you share your dreams with them, most of them are not living a life of faith and not living a life of trust. And so instead of encouraging you to follow God, they're going to keep you at the level that they're currently at. It's one of the reasons why I tell you, don't share your dreams with everybody. Don't cast pearls before you swine. It's an old saying, I think, from the Bible. It's like really old, like out of the book of Proverbs. Like don't give something that's so precious and so great to people that, that don't value and appreciate living a life of faith because a person that is faithless will never encourage you to have more faith. And so, of course, the majority is going to negate the minority. And let's just be honest. The minority live with faith, don't they? Most of us live with fear. Anyways, so here's the question that I think we all have to ask ourselves. That was just a little side note. How big have you allowed your obstacles to become? Are your obstacles now bigger than your God? See, a lot of us, we walk through life and we live life with a lot of buts. Man, I see the opportunity. The land is flowing with milk and honey, but... I could go back to school, but I could raise my kids this way, but I could pursue my dreams and goals, but I could be financially free, but listen, the only person that likes big butts is Sir Mix-a-Lot, okay? Just letting you know that. So stop focusing on the butts in life. And be like Caleb and be like, we can certainly do this. You can be a but person or you can be a I can person. I can overcome this situation. I can conquer this obstacle. I can have victory in my life. I can experience freedom. I can live for more. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah, Jesus is a little bit better than that, but that's okay. Just letting you say that. See, that faith, faith is trusting God in his eternal promises in spite of your temporary fear and my temporary fear. Because, let's be honest, we all have fear. If somebody tells you they have no, you know those shirts that were out a long time ago, no fear, that's a bunch of lies. Everybody has fear. Everybody experiences fear. It's what are you going to do with your fear? Are you going to let your fear run your life or are you going to allow your faith to run your life? Are you going to see things as problems, or are you going to see them as opportunities? Are you going to see them as obstacles, or are you going to see them as this opportune moment? We're going to start making our opportunity bigger than our obstacle. Then number two, we've got to see problems from faith's perspective. we got to see problems from faith's perspective. Because everything in life comes down to perspective. And most of the time, our perspective is based on our attitude. And our attitude determines so much in life. What is our attitude going to be? Are we going to have a negative attitude or are we going to have a positive attitude? Are we going to see things from faith perspective or are we going to react based on fear's perspective? John Maxwell says, altitude, attitude determines altitude. So the attitude that you have is going to cause you to rise or it's going to cause you to fall. And I recently got to experience this. Uh, Scott, who's, who's one of our executives back there who looks like he's asleep right now in service, so I'm going to wake him up. Uh, <laughs> He wasn't sleeping. He's taking notes. You you keep taking notes. Um, we we were on a, we are going to Boston on a flight. We we're going to check out this uh, kids check-in system that's like the most Mac Daddy check-in and security system for our new church facility because we'd heard about it. We we want to see if we could implement it in our in our facility, and so we want to go check it out. And so we had to fly to Boston. It was a single day trip. And so we are were, we we're jumping on this flight. uh, in the afternoon to to fly up to Boston. When we got on the flight, we got seated in our seats in like the back of the plane next to the bathroom. And uh, as we were sitting there, I looked over and and Scott's TV on his his seat was working. And I looked at my TV and I kept hitting it. It just came up as a black screen. And I was like, man, this is terrible. This is gonna be a three hour flight. But I I just, I rang our little bell thing. And as a flight attendant walked by, I was like, hey man, my my TV's broken. And uh, he's like, oh man, I'll I'll reboot the system. And uh, the, the only unfortunate thing is, is we'd gotten a rain delay at that point. Which in South Florida is terrible because you don't know how long it's going to rain and how long it's going to lightning, and so people are already upset that we're having to sit on this plane for longer than we should have, and so they reboot the TV while everybody's watching their show, so now they really love me and, uh, <laughs> and start all over is awesome, and uh, and so they reboot all the TVs and Scott's TV comes up and my TV's not working, and and so it's about forty five minutes of us sitting there on the tarmac at this point and. Uh, and so and so the guy walks by, he's like, how's your TV? I was like, it's not working. He's like, that's okay. Hey, you you seem like good guys. Why don't you come up with me to the front of the plane to like our first class? And so Scott and I got up, and we're on a delay. We're like, might as well sit in first class, you know. And we go, and we sit up in the front of the plane, and and the, like the captain comes back on and goes, hey, uh, there's still lightning in the area. I think we're going to be here for another 45 minutes. So now we're building up to an hour and a half, and and we're just sitting there. We're talking. People are complaining next to us, it like Man, we've been on the plane forever. People are getting up and like, I want off this plane. We're still at the gate, uh, but they've closed the door, which is like a big deal. You know, you can't open the door. God forbid, the door opens. And, uh, and and so and so we're sitting there. And finally, like the rain delay is over, and they go to fire up the plane, and it doesn't work. And uh, and, and and so and so they're like, Hey, it's going to be like 20 minutes. 20 minutes turned into an hour and a half. And uh, and we're sitting there. And during that time, I've eaten like a three-pound bag of gummy bears, which, by the way, is the worst decision of all time. Uh, (laughs) I don't suggest that. I've packed on like extra pounds just from that one trip. And uh, and, and people people are so angry at this point because it's like, you have wasted three hours of my life. The problem is, is Scott and I, we're having a blast because we realized that it takes 20 hours to drive to Boston from South Florida. Sitting on a plane for three hours to take off isn't a big deal. It's perspective, isn't it? It's like, oh my gosh, your life is over. No, it's not. It's three hours. You'll have it again. Go on with your life. In fact, 150 years ago, people died on that trip, okay? It's like on their what? Call in their wagon. They died from stuff. I don't know what that stuff is, but <laughs> <laughs> just Perspective. How do you see things? What's your perspective? Are your challenges obstacles? Or are they opportunities? And see, those challenges are actually a moment for God to teach us something. Teach us trust and dependence. And Caleb He sees this situation from faith's perspective. But the other 10 don't. Check out what it says in verse 31. It said, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. They said, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge, even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now, in doing some research, scholars actually looked at this, and they they said they believed that their fear had grown so much that, man, these guys were were maybe bigger or above average size men and women, but they were by no means giants. Not only they might have been a little bit more physically intimidating as far as strength, but by no means were they like power lifters or like uh, the most elite CrossFitters in the world. What is happening to the Israelites is their fear is growing. See, because whatever you feed in your life grows. Whatever you exercise in your life is going to expand. And so what did they do? They came back and they started telling everybody, oh, it's bad, it's bad, it's terrible, they're strong, they're big, they're big, they're strong. And all of a sudden, they went from some difficult people to giants to so bad that the land will just eat us alive. They literally said the land will devour us. Not the people will, the land will. All of a sudden, it became way bigger in their minds than it was in their reality. And then they go and and they go and we are like grasshoppers to them. Do you think guys know what a grasshopper looks like? I mean, you re- you remember grasshoppers? It's those little bugs that hop from place to place to place to place to place. I lived in Texas, and they used to secrete this weird stuff from their butts. It's kind of gross. And uh, so when they got afraid, they pooped. You know, that's, that's in essence what they, it was a protection thing. <laughs> I haven't said this in any other services, but this is good. This is good. <laughs> this is going to preach right here. Seriously. When we get afraid, what we start doing is we start throwing up all of our fear. We start projecting it on every other person. We start telling them about how bad it is and all those things. And what we do is all of a sudden we skew their faith to all of a sudden they start giving, getting a bad perspective. And all of a sudden this incredible opportunity turns into the largest obstacle that they are terrified of. Have you ever felt like a grasshopper in life? You ever felt like a grasshopper when it comes to your finances? Like, man, how am I, how am I going to, how am I going to overcome this? You ever felt like a grasshopper when it comes to parenting your kids and like, man, what am I, what am I supposed to do in this moment? It's like so big and this, I'm so small. Ever felt like a grasshopper when it comes to your career? It's like, how am I ever going to It's how I felt as a pastor 18 months ago coming to us as a church at the time and going, hey, we've got this incredible opportunity, but it costs $1.2 million. Everybody's like, oh. Ah. <laughs> Why? Because $1.2 million is like Mount Everest, isn't it? It's like, that's unfathomable. How does a grasshopper climb Mount Everest? One hop at a time. See, every difficulty that we're facing right here, right now in our life, how we overcome is a lot of times we just want to jump to the top right away, but that isn't how you get to the top. You get to the top by doing something today. Oh, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that the next day. 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 And then you turn around and you look and you're like, look at all the progress that I've made. But it didn't happen instantaneously, it happened over time. And see, what's happening in that time is you're developing disciplines, you're developing habits, you're developing ways of life that are not just for that season, but are for your future. See, it's in that time that God is preparing you, not just for this moment, but for the rest of your life. And if you'll continue to apply those principles for the rest of your life, you'll end up way further in life than you ever thought you would end up. Because that's how God works, and that's what he wants to do. And so we look at our circumstances. We can look at this immeasurably more project, $400,000. How are we going to do that? We're going to do it one hop at a time. That's what we do as a people. So if you think right now, man, I could never get ahead in life. If you think right now, man, I could never go back to college. If you think right now, man, I could never have more money than month. If you think right now, I could never parent that way. If you think right now, I could never be close to God. You need to stop telling yourself those things. Because what's happening for a lot of us is we're replaying tapes of our past where we have failed because we've allowed the obstacles to become bigger than our God. And we need to start reminding ourselves of who God says we are now today. See, sometimes we got to look at the mirror, and we got to have a little conversation, a little one-on-one with ourselves. And sometimes you got to go, man, you know what? I am a new creation. I am forgiven. I am the righteousness of God. I am uh, God's holy child. I'm a chosen generation. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I walk in God's victory. I have His promises. It's secure. It's true. And I'm going to live those things out. And walking in faith says, man, I'm going to see the problem from faith's perspective. And I see it from faith's perspective when I get God's perspective of me. And even though I might be a grasshopper, I've got a God that is way bigger than any mountain that I'm facing. I love what Caleb says in verse 9. He says, do not rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're only helpless pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Listen, if God is with you, no enemy can stand against you. And some of you need to hear that today because you've got, you've got family standing against you. You've got your work, what feels like standing against you. You've got your kids feel like you're standing against you. If God is for you, Who can stand against you? In fact, in Hebrews it says, The Lord is your helper. Well then, whom or what shall you fear? Faith is trusting God and his eternal promises. And then finally, number three. It's important that we take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. Going back to Numbers 14, starting in verse 1. It says, then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protests against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. And even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? What are they doing right here? They're whining and they're complaining. It's like they feel like God has set them up for failure in this moment. They're like, God, why'd you bring me here to die? Why'd you bring me here to have my wife and my kids become captive? And what they're doing in this moment is they are imagining all of the worst case scenarios. They're basically saying, listen, it would have been better for us to stay in Egypt under a dictator who kept us as slaves rather than trusting God. And you want to know why they said that? Because when you come up against an obstacle, our natural inclination in that moment is to run back to the place where we're most comfortable, even if it's a place where we're captive, even if it's a place where where we are not experiencing God's best for our life. Because that's what we have known. And I wonder how many of us keep turning back to those things when God is calling us to a new day and a new life and a new future than what we've experienced in our past. I love what Hebrews eleven six says. It says it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God without Faith says anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, here's what I know. I know many of us in this room have believed in God for our salvation. And maybe you're here today and, And you've never taken that step. Maybe you're here and you're just checking God out, seeing what this is all about. Man, we're so thankful that you're here to be a part of our services. But for those of you who have said, man, I believe in God. It's one thing to believe in God, but do you believe that he will reward you as you trust him and seek him and follow him in everything? Do you believe that as you step out in faith and push through the fears and the obstacles and the barriers that are out there, that God will show up and He will move in profound ways? And here's the deal: God is very rarely early, but He's always on time. Do you believe that? See, because God doesn't normally show up and move until you've gotten into that place where your faith is being realized, like where there is no turning back. See, I believe that maybe today there's some of you here that need to take a step out when it comes to relationships. Maybe you've you've pulled back in life and you've said, man, nothing good has come out of relationships. And maybe today is the day that you need to step out a little bit and go, you know what? I'm going to put myself out there. Maybe you need to go get involved in a connect group as the connect group season is going in and and just go, you know what, God, I want to see you move in my life. And so I'm going to put myself out there to some other people and see what happens. And God is not going to move relationally in your life in that way until you put yourself in that situation. It's not just signing up for the group, it's actually showing up for the group. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's this whole idea of making a, a, a commitment to a church. Being a part of a community and, and buying into that community and being a part of it. You know, I'm just, just going to be real here. Uh, there's a lot of people that jump from church to church to church to church. And you're like dating this church and dating that church. You know what we call those people? We call those people church hoes. You're like, TJ, that's kind of crude. No, no, no. That's what we call, whether it's a man or a woman, if they were doing that in a relationship, we call you a hoe. <laughs> At least I would. I don't, maybe you would. Maybe you'd be like, they get around. That's a nice way of saying you a hoe, okay? I'm a little <laughs> ghetto. But here's the thing, like you'll never experience the power of community of a body until you commit to it. See, when I dated Shayla, our relationship was good. But when I took out a ring and put it on her finger, whoo, boy, man, it got a whole nother level. (laughs) Same thing is true in your relationship with God. He speaks a lot through his church. And I don't care what church it is. If you're dating us and dating another church, pick a church. Stop dating. Commit. Maybe for some of you, it's financially. You've never trusted God. It's interesting to me that we can trust God for our eternity, but we can't trust Him for our tomorrow. It's, it's weird. <laughs> you you would put everything into eternity, but not into tomorrow. Just crazy to me. Maybe for some of you, the step you need to take is somebody's hurt you in life. And they've wounded you, and you've been harboring some unforgiveness. Maybe today's the day you need to pick up the phone and call them up and tell them I forgive you. Or maybe you've hurt somebody and you've done them wrong and you know you have and you're just like, well, they deserved it. No they didn't. Maybe today is the day you let the Holy Spirit do a work in your heart and you repent. You allow God to change you. Don't be like the Israelites who wandered because they didn't believe. In fact, because they made that decision, they spent 40 more years in a desert that should have been a two-week trip. An entire generation had to pass away, but two of them got to enter the promised land. It was Caleb, who we heard about, and Joshua, who was the other spy. But before they could enter the promised land, they had to cross the Jordan River, just like they had to cross the Red Sea on the way there. There was another barrier that was there. And God gave Joshua this command. He said, hey, I want you to take the priests. I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant. Here's what I want you to do. I want them to lead out front. And when you get to the banks of the Jordan River, here's what I want you to do. I I need them to wade out into it. Now, if I'm one of those priests, and I'm carrying the Ark of the Covenant, man, I'm going to be confident and full of God, and I'm going to walk right up to the bank of that river, and I'm going to be like, all right, God, I'm here. You can go ahead and do this. Make your boy look good. Got faith. And God's like, I didn't ask you to go to the bank. I asked you to wade into the river. And so what do we do? We, we kick off a shoe or two, maybe a sock, and we're like, all right, God, here I am. I'm fully in. He's like, you're up to your ankles. I need you to go a little bit deeper. I need you to be a little bit more committed. All right, roll up the jeans to your knees. I'm wearing skinny, so I can't do that. And so you get up to your knees. You're like, all right, God, make make your boy look good. I'm looking kind of foolish. It says that as they got up to their waist deep, or what I would imagine their chest deep, where it's to this point where the next step will probably cause them to go under. God parts the Jordan River, and they all pass through. See, some of you here today, you're like, God, I need you to show up. And God's like, I'm right here standing in the middle of the Jordan River. He says, draw near to me which means you've got to take some steps. And I promise, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to catch you. I'm going to take care of you. But you're going to have to go full in. You're going to have to commit to faith to see faith work in your life. And it's fascinating to me that when you start to take those steps, that that's when the water recedes. And, and it's always fascinating to me that, that when the obstacles are in front of you, it's really hard to see beyond them. But when you get to the other side of the obstacle and you look back, all the obstacles make sense of what God was doing in your life. But it's only till you get to that point that that happens. And maybe for some of you today, today is the day that you need to take a step of faith. Today is the day that you need to wade out in the water. Maybe for some of you, you're here and you have been exploring God and you're going, God, but I don't understand this and I don't understand this and I don't understand this. But what you fail to realize is the opportunity that's right behind those obstacles of unbelief that you have right now is salvation for your soul. It's eternity with a creator of the universe who loves you more than the universe itself. Who is willing to give up everything so that you could have life and have it more abundantly so that you can experience true and authentic relationship with God. Not rules, not religion, not a church, but a relationship with the creator of the universe. And I don't know where you are or who you are today, but I believe that God has been speaking to your heart, that God has been challenging you with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to lead you in prayer.